Welcome to the Kevin and Philip Project, a podcast with two guys who love to eat, travel, talk sports, and have no idea how to raise teenage girls. Coming to you live from Salina, Kansas. Here are your hosts, Kevin and Philip. Here we are, episode number seven of season two. We just had some breaking news come out a few minutes ago. Did you actually even hear about this? The the high school activities association. No, no, haven't seen anything. Just left work a few minutes ago. No, they. Just I was going to think you was just going to say Kansas just lost to Creighton. No, they're they're ahead right now. They're ahead. So, okay, yeah. go ahead. What yeah, was, was your, what was the breaking no, news? No, they uh, so they uh, met and decided that they're going starting Thursday. They're going to allow two family members per athlete into the games so they're going to start allowing fans back into the game starting when thursday okay and thursday uh our dance squad doesn't get to dance because someone has been quarantined oh so i guess it's made the whole team quarantined so we won't be dancing they did this past week have the first game at salina central i don't know if south did or not they did played in front of no fans yep Gentry still danced at halftime. Of course, I'm my, like I've said before, we don't have athlete, but you know, unless the dancers are athletic. But they, but anyway, she said it wasn't as bad as she thought because they had taken the JV squads and the other squads and spread them through the one side right. of the gym. So she said it still looked like there was a crowd there, even though there wasn't anybody on the visiting side. So yeah, but here's here's the thing, Phil. This is what I don't understand, and and I'm not when I'm I'm going to go into a little rant here. And I'm not saying I know everything. Everybody should listen to me. That's exact, not exactly what I'm saying. When they started, a couple weeks ago when they had the first meeting, when they were talking about whether they were even going to have a season, then once they decided they were going to do the season, it was pretty evident it was going to be without fans. I think they made a rush judgment in that scenario without really thinking it through because of some of the situations that went on and, and all that. But think about this. And, and I get volleyball a little bit. Volleyball was tough because – the way that high school, middle school volleyball courts are typically set up when there's multiple games going on, two nets going on at a time, is they can only have bleachers from one side of the gym out. So you got four teams playing, people crammed into one side of the gym. It was pretty tight. I get that. That's yep. probably not good. In basketball, there you can have both sides of the bleachers down. And if you think about it, like I think about Morgan's Middle School Will games. they allow visiting, do you think, visiting Yeah, fans? I think so. Okay. Yep, yep. And that's the big thing for me is, is – when my daughter's is out, when she's away from from Salina, what happens if something happens to her? She falls and breaks an ankle playing basketball. It happens. Right. Nobody's there, so they had to start taking multiple vehicles to games because they had to have a suburban, so that if a kid got hurt or something like that, they would be able to take that kid to the hospital huh. and not have the whole school bus and the entire teams sitting there waiting for them to get out of the hospital. That is a change in times so. because we took a big yellow school bus and drove three hours away. So, and they still do that, <laughs> but they were they had to bring another vehicle. So if somebody did get hurt, they had a way somebody could stay with them until a parent got there or they could get them home or whatever. But yeah. But with basketball, you have both sides of the gym. So I was thinking about this. So say South Middle School right now has approximately 20 girls. I think it's 17 or something like that on the basketball team. But let's say 20. And you've got another team. So let's say they have 20 kids as well. That's 40. If everybody has two parents, which a lot of the kids on Morgan's team, they don't have parents that go to the games. And some parents don't even go. That's what I'm saying. So at the 75%. most, you would have 80 people at the game. You're the telling most. me 80 people can't spread out on two sides of the bleachers in a full gym safely? I mean, obviously they can, and that's what they're saying Obviously, now. and the uh, we'll pack in tighter than that in a Walmart. So there's – yeah. and we're going to be wearing masks. I mean, that's going to yep. be a restriction. Yep. And, and so uh, if you're wearing a mask and you're social distancing, which you would be able to in a, that much room with 80 people um, – I don't know why they make their decisions. They ju- they rush to judgment. Yes. They rush to decisions well, before they think about it. Well, they spent, I don't know, between six and seven hours between the two meetings to come up with the plan of doing exactly what we were doing before they had all of the meetings. So congratulations yes. to the Kansas State High School Activities Association for that sounds like spending Express, eight hours to get right where they were. Express headquarters. They, hold, they have meetings to find out when they're going to have their next meeting. So I see, Philip, before we get into uh, some of our other topics, you uh, went big time today with your uh, drink of the podcast there. Yes. Uh, the big one. Bush. <laughs> the Rocky Mountain. But hey. it's a bush light. 
Hey, shout out to a friend of mine, Trap, who uh, he's a Bush Light drinker. He's got me on that stuff. So that that was a that's a common beer for me in the summertime. Back whenever me and Lisa first got married, uh, Doug and I went down and sat on a on a uh, little dirt road before I and we had a bush together. And I asked him if I could ask Mary Lisa to marry me. So uh, Bush and me has got a lot in common. Or a long history, long history. You have a history. There you go. <laughs> yeah. That's what you're looking for. So, well, I, I changed it up tonight too. I'm having a Negroni tonight. So I'm, I don't even know what a Negroni is. You have to tell me. I about, about it. spilled all over my laptop there. So it is. Uh, so I've really gotten into like, I don't say craft cocktails, but that's kind of what it is. But yeah. like good cocktails, and this has been a favorite of mine for a long time. But uh, it's gin, Campari, and sweet vermouth, equal parts of each. Um, it's a little bit bitter. They call it a was it an aperitif. So it's supposed to increase your appetite. It's you're supposed to have one before a, a good dinner. Yes. But I just like the taste of it, so I just drink it whenever. Is it sweet? It is not sweet. I mean, it's, it's got sugar. It's actually in it. bitter. Bitter. Yeah, no, Campari not is very bitter. As a diabetic, I would not drink. Um, you know the the liquors, Jack Daniels, yep. things like that. Yep. They they just make my. I know that they make my blood sugar go bad, but I didn't know how bad until Saturday afternoon. So you started monitoring. No, th- Friday afternoon. I got a new sensor pump, a blood, a, a, and so I said, uh, my blood sugar's only like 65, according to my uh, phone. And I said, I need something to try to bring my blood sugar up quickly. And I said, let's just do one of those fireball shots. So we were sitting in a little restaurant, and I said, I'll just do one of those fireball shots. Within 30 minutes, my blood sugar went from 66 to like 195 on oh, one shot. Wow. Of the, so I from go, that shot. is the very reason I do not drink fireballs. There's a lot of other reasons. I have good sense. I shouldn't <laughs> yeah. drink the darn things to begin with. But yep. sometimes you just want the kick. Yeah. Well, I, you know, we were talking about COVID. I've been thinking a lot about this lately. Uh, I just, I'm to the point where some of the stuff, uh, like we were just talking about, it's almost comical. And I just, I sit there and wonder, like, I'll give you a couple examples. So the other day I'm at Dylan's and they, they, they used to not, if you brought your own bags, they wouldn't sack your groceries. They went back to doing that. Then for a very short period of time, they stopped again, but now they're doing it. But I went to, to Dylan's and I'm sitting there thinking about when they wouldn't sack my groceries, if I brought my own sacks and I'm like, well, what's the problem with my sacks? Because that's where the problem is. Because the food items, somebody touched it, put it in a box. Times. Somebody unboxed it. Somebody put it on the shelf. Eight customers I came by it. and touched it. Multiple customers touched it. The checker touched it when she scanned it. So it goes to the sacker. Like your what? one sack's gonna make yeah. the difference. Yeah. Or or I go to Chick Fil A the other day and the lady brings the food out in the tub. Yeah. And my. Well, why would you not just bring my sack out? And they've well, done they that for months it. now at Chick-fil-A, oh, yeah. but I've always thought, well, you put the sack into the tub. What's Correct. the difference? You put the food into the sack. And so then you Taco the Bell does the, the same thing. There's there's multiple ones. They won't touch your credit card at this point. Yeah, they give you the Le- Leading into thing. that, for my story of the week, which we all generally start off with, yep. since we're on this discussion, I want to tell you a little about a uh, – Something I saw this past weekend, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Oh, that's right. You were down at Billy I Bob's. went to Texas. First time I've been on a plane since March, since the coronavirus hit. Yep. So we flew out of Manhattan. Not very crowded plane going out of Manhattan. Really clean, nice airport. First time I've ever flown out of there. So it's pretty nice, easy flight into Dallas-Fort Worth, about an hour. Anyway, the first night, um, we go out to Billy Bob's uh, to watch Travis trip. Well, you when you walk in the door, everyone has to wear a face mask, uh, profess that you're not carrying a knife or a gun, and uh, have your temperature checked. Okay. So we once we got inside, I looked around, and me and Lisa and my brother and cousin um, were the only ones still had our masks on. Everyone else is just done with them. So uh, every now and then someone would walk by and say, uh, must wear a mask, or they'd announce it over the top, must wear it. But they, they literally would not. Not enforce it. They wouldn't. They weren't, and there were police officers and everything yeah. in there. They weren't enforcing them. Prior to going there, now this is sort of a lengthy story of the week. Prior to walking in, we'd went downtown and ate at a restaurant, walked in with our masks on, doing everything. We actually walked by some police, so we thought, you know, better keep them up. Well, we walk in, no one's wearing them, nobody else is wearing them. So Lisa asked the lady, do we not have to wear our masks here? I thought it was a uh, 
the county's whatever mandate or whatever. And she said, do you want to tell these cowboys to not wear their masks? <laughs> yeah, good point. So it was at the NFR is what yep. it was. Yep. So anyway, so I go to Billy Bob's. The uh, By the way, Travis Tritt is just as good as ever. Just <laughs> wonderful. Um, he, he was a lot of fun. But, but anyway, walked outside and the Texas attitude was, you're not going to tell me to wear them. We went, I mean, we went out in this little se- section where you could literally take them off, but it was the kind of the smoking outdoor yep. area. And, uh, and they literally were out there. I would, could hear multiple men talking saying, you're not going to tell me I'm not doing it. You're not going to make me well times that by 90% of the people there. Yep. If there is a massive outbreak there, I think those people will deal with it. Yep. They'll just deal with it themselves because they're not going to be told what to do. I, so a mandate across the country you can mandate all you want. Yeah. These guys are not going to do it. Well, I saw I saw something, speaking of Texas, I think I saw this today. I believe this is correct. But they filed a lawsuit against Georgia, Pennsylvania, and I believe Wisconsin, maybe Arizona. I don't remember what states. To But with the Supreme Court to throw out the election because they're idiots and can't count votes. Right. So I thought that was pretty funny. Was the last thing I tell on this. It went two nights to it, and it was the exact same thing both nights. Went the next night and watched the Bellamy Brothers. But Saturday morning, we went out to what they call the Cowboy Christmas in the convention hall in Fort Worth. The convention hall in Fort Worth is three times the size of this buy center or something like that. Literally packed shoulder to shoulder. Walk in the door, get your, get your uh, temperature, temperature. Tell They tell you to put a mask on as you walk in the door. We walk on into the convention center, 10,000 cowboys and cowgirls, not a mask on in the whole place. <laughs> One little old lady walking around with a yellow sign that says, must wear your masks. And people just looking at her, you know, it was comical to say the yeah. least. So then we, me and Steven said, well, we're not going to stay in here because I wasn't wanting to have to be put it on, take it off, put it on, whatever, who, by whoever standard you're going by. So we said, let's just go for a walk down the street. So I'm telling you, there's ten to 15,000 people inside the convention center. It's just completely packed. We walked f- five blocks to the north, and the, there's a square there in downtown Fort Worth called Sundance Square where yep. they put their big Christmas tree up at. The entire Sundance Square is blocked off by a rope and has three security guards at it and says you can't go up to the tree due to coronavirus. <laughs> yeah. And that's just how ridiculous <laughs> yeah. this whole thing is. Five blocks away, 15,000 people are in there spitting and cussing and carrying on. And, and five blocks later, we have three security guards guarding a Christmas tree. Just, it's comical, to say the least. Not, and I still say, I, it's not like I don't believe in it. Right. I just think there's mass hysteria on it because these folks didn't seem to have a problem. Well, and I'm going to take it a step further. I, don't, I saw an article just the other day. Um, that Elon Musk has moved from California to Texas. At a boy. Because he is, he does not, and I agree with him, that you can't make me stay in my house. Like, that's violating my constitutional right and my freedoms. And, you know, California, he's because Tesla's got a big factory in San Jose, in the right. San Jose area, that if, if they do a mandate that you got to stay home, they're going to shut the factory down, and that's going to affect production. But on a, on a broader scale, I mean, it's almost fascism, if you will, to tell people you can't leave your house it's or you're going to be arrested. It's almost 70% of the population of, of uh, California has been told to stay yeah, at home. That's ridiculous. It even says that you can't have meetings with your neighbors. You can't meet your neighbors. We can't do this podcast. No, we, couldn't, we wouldn't be able to do this podcast. Uh, if you stayed in California, if you left California, and you fought, came out here to get away from it, please don't vote the way you voted in California. This was <laughs> our big complaint of our friends in Dallas this weekend. They said lots of Californians have moved into the Dallas-Fort Worth area, yeah. but they're ch- almost changing the right. landscape. Of the, they're, yeah. they're voting the same way of the things they're running from. So, I saw, I saw a funny story, and I know this is fake, but a funny story on Facebook about uh, some... Uh, a CEO, a letter that he supposedly sent. Again, I know this was made up, but it basically said that thanks for voting for Biden. For those of you that voted for him, I'm preparing for my taxes to go up. The only way I can recover from that is to raise my prices 10%. Because of the competitiveness of our business, I can't raise the prices 10%, so I got to lay off 60 people. So I walked through the parking lot. I looked at everybody. 
who had a Joe Biden sticker. He goes, I, I couldn't figure out how who I wanted to, to get rid of, how I was going to do this. I consider everybody a family here. So I went through the parking lot, and I looked at every car that had a Joe Biden sticker, and, and those were the people I let go. You want to change? There's your change. Congratulations. <laughs> Congratulations. So. Well, I don't have a story of the week. I have a, I'll, I'll do a tweet of the week. I saw this. This is actually from a couple of weeks ago. And we're going to get into some sports stuff here in a second, so it's kind of appropriate. But I saw this, and I thought it was funny. Um, I, I think to really appreciate the humor in it, you had to see it. But you're familiar with the movie Hoosiers. Yes. So they have a situation where, just to kind of lay the land here, uh, they have a situation where they have a guy that fouls out of the game. Yeah. And he's punishing somebody else. He's sitting on the bench. He's not playing. And so he's only got four guys on the court. And the referee comes over to him and says, hey, you've only got four guys on the court. You need to throw somebody else in there. And he says, no, my team's on the court. So he's going to go ahead and play a four. Well, so the Big 12 came out. I don't know if you saw this for basketball and said, if you have six players, you're playing. COVID, you're, we're not going to cancel it because you're missing one or two. If you have six players, you're playing the game. Walk-on's so, dream. He's yeah. suit up. <laughs> so the, the, the tweet was, uh, I won't say who the tweet was from because I'm not a fan of the person himself, but it made me laugh pretty hard. So it had a picture of Gene Hackman sitting there saying, my team is on the floor. And, and, the, and the, uh, the tweet was, uh, Big 12 coaches, when phantom whistles foul out two of their six players available when they go to Allen Fieldhouse this year. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty They that may have a three-man squad up there. So, well, we want to talk about we were talking about a little bit about the election with Biden. and We can touch on this real quick. Um, we we're going to talk about some some media bias stuff, but I think we we're going to hold off on that till maybe till we get through the holidays. And, right. And Let's, try to be a little bit lighter. Just on our tell next you what, one, just but. watch your Facebooks and see. And, and I'd love for people to comment on our Facebook page or comment on Twitter, whatever, uh, about the biases that you may see, not just politically, religiously and everything. Yep. Just just watch your Watch your biases and try to keep um, keep up with them, and and we'll talk about it in a few weeks. Well, what's been interesting to me over the past couple of weeks is 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 the whole election fraud thing, and and it doesn't matter whose side you're on, Trump's side, Biden's side. Yes, there was. No, there wasn't. What's staggering to me, Phil, and I don't know how much you've paid attention to this, is some of the things that are coming out from people that were supposedly there counting votes and stuff like that. While part of me wants to wants to be on the Biden side and say, man, I just can't imagine that you could, on a wide scale, fix an election like this. I don't also don't want to bury my head in the sand and say it's not possible because it is. But it's not as wide as you think. You could pick six major cities. No, that's, that's what, what it, they did. That's what's happened, right? Six. So ran by them cities. I read an article that they have sworn affidavits from people in Georgia, from poll workers that were told to go home on election night. And then once they left, they and and they were told that the, the voting vote counting would not continue until tomorrow. They had the water leak Pipes at burst. Like 1025. Right. So after those people left, they started counting votes. Not only did they continue to count votes, but there is video evidence from security video showing them pulling suitcases out from underneath a table, yep. pulling votes out of those suitcases and starting to count them. And the national media is crickets on it. Well, and, and I don't want, I mean, who knows? There could have been a situation where those were valid votes. Well, they might have been uh, but a spare set of clothes. When you start seeing this stuff, it starts making you think that there was a lot of stuff going down. Something awful fishy. I just still say whether he won legitimately or didn't win legitimately i just can't believe the numbers i can't believe that right. he and trump both have more votes than and obama, than obama did, ever did record. yeah in a time whenever people are scared to death that, like my mom and them are were scared to leave their house lisa's got an aunt and uncle that have been kind of quarantined themselves inside their houses i i just don't believe that that many americans got out and voted. Yep. Just don't believe it. Well, the the thing that was interesting to During me during a pandemic, the biggest turnout <laughs> yeah. in the human, history of the voting. Yeah. That's just it's not realistic. We had a, we had a local person do a kind of an op ed piece that was on our local media here. I think it was just this morning actually that I read this. Which which one? I, it was on. I think it was on ksal.com, okay. but I, I it could have been on sign a post or something. But she worked during the election. 
And so she talked about, it was actually very good information. She talked a lot about specifics on how they handled folks who had requested uh, mail-in ballots, but then showed up at the polls. She talked about their process and what they do. What was interesting, though, is she talked about some anomalies. She talked about one person who had requested 10-plus ballots. And, and, and she talked about how, when they were requesting multiple balance, ballots, how they were f- filling them out, trying to trick the system, if you will. Right. The thing was, was if, if you think about in Salina, there's probably, I don't know, what, 20, 25,000, probably not even 20, 20,000 voters, votes that would be cast. And you think about all these people that she's talking about that tried to do multiple ballots and how long it takes them to sit down and reconcile all of that stuff. You know, I've, I've got a friend, Doug's his first name, won't say his last name, but hopefully he listens to it. I don't know if he does or not. But he requested a mail-in ballot, and it showed up at his house two days after the election. He, so he went to the—fortunately, he ended up being in town, yeah. and so he went ahead and went to vote. But there was an issue with that because that now that's a, what do they call it? Profession. I don't want to get the terms wrong, but there's a process when that happens. But it got me thinking. But how, he got to go ahead and vote. He did. Even though he had been right. sent a mail-in vote. Correct. See, he, her, Lisa's brother lives in Indiana, and he had to go get uh, – it was a process for him. He had to go down to the election board. He had to get it certified and put in the mail with certified uh, – so yep. there was a process to it. Yep. I don't think everybody goes through that process. No, no, they don't. <laughs> So, yeah, so my, my point with all of this is what's interesting to me is when you figure out how much time our county spent trying to reconcile all those kind of things, and this is a small-scale Salina, Kansas, with 20,000 votes at the most. How do they do this in Atlanta, Georgia, where there's literally tens of millions of ballots cast? How do they reconcile all of that in short order? There's no way possible that all that stuff gets caught. I wish that I would have. We would have discussed this, like we've said before. Me and Kevin sat and spitball, but I wish that I would have uh, seen the election. Maybe we can look it up. Maybe you can find it on the computer real quick. What is the Saline County election numbers? What was the number of voters that Saline, that voted in Saline County? Might take a second to find it, but it, it'd be interesting to know that number. And you're saying 20,000 in a city population of 50,000, which is less than 50%, about 40% of the population uh, went out and voted. If the rest of America did that, it's a 40% clip. I would think that we in Salina, Kansas, vote higher than the national average would be. That's where I'm talking about the numbers are screwed or misconstrued because um, 40% of the voters actually went out and voted. The numbers couldn't be what they are. Yeah, I, I just, I mean, if we have 50,000 people in Salina, I mean, I just did math. Half would be 25, not half people, because we get kids and all that kind of stuff, people that don't vote, people that aren't registered to vote. So, I mean, I would guess 15 to 20, but, yeah, it's, uh, I just I just thought about how much time they spent here in, in Salina on stuff like that, how much time they would spend in Atlanta, Georgia, or Phoenix, Arizona for that same kind of stuff, so... Let's move on. We're done with the COVID stuff. Yes, let's be done with it. Because you know why we need to be done with that? Because this time, first first podcast of the year, we're going to talk a little bit about the standings in the Big 12. Oklahoma University is leading the Big 12 right now at 1-0. and So, going. And uh, probably the rest of the year I won't be able to say that. But, but we uh, we do lead off the season as the leaders of the Big 12 Conference. Who did you guys play? TCU, we already opened up. The rest of the people don't open up for a couple weeks. I don't know why we got such an early yeah. game. Did, but they went to TCU and beat them and played well. So uh, Oklahoma su- might surprise some people. Surprise of the year in Big 12 basketball. Shaka Smart has hair. Have you oh, seen he does? this? I hadn't seen he it. He has hair. I didn't I'll know he had damn. hair. Well, maybe I'll grow mine out. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, I, I saw that the other no, day. I and I'm like, I don't even I know who that is. I thought he's just a bald-headed guy. Nope. He has hair. Well, so I'll be dead. He, some people let their beards and stuff grow out during COVID. He grew his hair out. So. All right. You know, uh, it's been a pretty good start to the Big 12 Conference. We've had some pretty uh, for good most games. teams. Yeah, for a lot of teams. Not mine. They, they, uh, no, K-State really – Literally almost could have been 0-4 because the UMKC game, they almost turned, blew it. They just they don't, they haven't looked very good No, yet. they're terrible. Now, yes. I would also say that there's a good chance they could be about 3-2 and two with a couple of plays that go the other way. Right. But they're yeah. they're not good right now. Not and very good. They were picked last in the conference. They're going to hold that there's up There's a year. reason so, for that. You it, know who has looked 
to me, who's looked the best of uh, anybody I've seen, has so far, and we talked about this, about their defense. West Virginia yeah. has looked really good. They lost to Gonzaga, as did Kansas. Yeah. Um, but they played uh, Gonzaga probably better than Kansas. I did. would agree with that statement. Yeah, no, I think uh, – now, And you know that uh, Kansas has it tough at the beginning of the Big 12. They start well. with Texas Tech. And then they get West West Virginia, and, so and, their first two games on the seventeenth. And I will and tell you this: you can you can argue. Bill Self and KU knows it's matter. It matters what you're doing in March, not what you're doing in December. Right. Yep. I mean, there is not a team in the country that plays a more difficult basketball schedule than KU does. No, no. You got they, Gonzaga. And they do it every year. Was it Duke or Michigan State? Which one did they play in the Champions Classic? Any anyway, it's always like a Duke or Michigan State or Kentucky. Yep. Um, they're playing Creighton right now, which is yep. ranked eighth which in the ranked country. Eighth in the country. Yeah, they've um, got as tough a schedule so, as it is. But and, and like they don't that. freak out about losses right yeah. now. This is about learning to play together no, against good competition. You're starting freshmen and sophomores. Yeah, they'll be fine. You know that's what I've comes. always enjoyed about Oklahoma football. If you're a season ticket holder like we've been, you always get a couple of really good yep. games. I mean, you get the Ohio State. Right. So we'll, they Dame, take anybody. Yeah. We got Georgia Hell, a few Army. years ago. We did Alabama. <laughs> Arm, yeah, and Army was tough as nails. Yeah. Uh, we, you know, we had UCLA for a couple years in a row in the last couple years. That who would have known UCLA just went completely south. Yeah, uh, they were terrible. But it's fun to play the good people up front and see where you're at. Well, that's one thing Snyder was always good at was predicting like six years in advance teams that were going to suck. Yeah, because Pete Carroll is the only Bill Snyder is the only coach Pete Carroll has losing record against in college football. We played USC two years, beat them both times. And they were terrible. Like the next year, they were good. Yeah. Same thing with UCLA. They were good. We had them on the schedule, and then they fell apart. And we got – I think we split with UCLA, if I remember correctly. But we got them when they were down, yeah. not what you're what you were historically Well, in the next two years, seeing. Oklahoma's got Nebraska yeah. on a home-and-home. And, home, yeah. and Nebraska doesn't seem to be getting any better. Which, yeah. is, which is shameful because I wish Nebraska would get better. So, I don't. <laughs> no, I, they, you know what? It makes the whole region better. I I, I talk about Texas a lot because uh, them being – I mean, they've got to get better. They've been yeah. trying to go after Urban Meyer saying that they can, they can pay more than anybody. And that's – that. you know, the Texas mentality is that Texas has more money than anybody. Yep. What they don't understand is a lot of them's got a lot of money. Yeah. They can throw money around. Yeah. They don't have any trouble. It's staggering if you if you've never heard this. So I used to run the Catbacker Club here in Salina, and once a year we'd have a meeting in Manhattan, where we would go sit down and kind of plan out the summer Catbacker tour schedule that they do, and we talk about stuff. And there was one meeting we were talking, and they said that Texas spends more from January to March in athletics than K State and KU combined spend for the entire year. Yeah, and, and look at the wonderful results they've well, got. Well, and out that's of it. yeah. So it's. But, well, uh, their television station makes a lot of money. Yeah, it and they've does. got their own. They've got some things going on, and they play more sports. So obviously, right. their expenses are going to be up. The bigger, yeah. I mean, they have three times the enrollment K State has. Right. So of course, they're going to spend more. But but that, just thinking about those numbers is just staggering. So you get into, and I, I don't want to get into this on this on this podcast, but you start getting into those kind of resources plus paying players to come there and being able to. I mean, the the pockets are definitely going to be deeper in Austin, Texas, than they're going to be in Manhattan, Kansas. Right. Yep. There's, I think you're going to see an imbalance. But let's let's go back to basketball. So let's talk about your Sooners and all okay, Larry the, Bird lookalike over well, there. Well, Larry's played well so far. <laughs> Manic. Uh, he's for he's come back you, for his you know, eighth they, season of they, eligibility. Right. They actually have only uh, played two games. No, no. Yeah, they've only played two games: TCU and University of Texas San Antonio. And uh, Manic played well in both of them. Manic went 14-6 in one, 29-5 in the other. And that's about what you expect. Out of him. That's what I said. One yep. night he'll light it up and go for 29 or 30, and then he'll go quiet. Um, the, the, one, the kid that I said a couple weeks ago that I thought was going to be good, Austin Reeves, he, against TCU he went 32 points, six rebounds, nine assists, just great. The first game of the year he went 8-4, eight, eight, but really good. And then the, the freshman guard. But those those six five guards like that, Austin Reeves. I mean, he's got six five guards that can shoot and dribble and do everything they've got. Yeah. All the the other kid we've got is just six foot kid. But he's, I thought they, they can coach good. guards. I, I played the, right, and I think that's what you know. Even Manic is a forward, but he plays like a guard, and I think that's what yeah. Lon Cougar must be his yeah. thing. Is he loves yeah. coaching he, guards? He can coach guards. 
Yeah. And then the only other kid we've got is that real skinny. He's got a weird last name, like a African Mersh or something. That's a six ten kid that just stays inside, doesn't score much. But I think those three guards and Manic. Uh, I was surprised that they went to TCU and played well. Uh, yep. Don't think TCU is one of the worst teams in the league, and they'll um, be battling. I think they'll be down with Iowa State and K State at the bottom. But yeah, uh, K State will road, have a bottom road, wrapped an, up. An early road win is is something that you like in the Big Twelve because you might not get very many. Oh, absolutely no. That's any road win in the Big Twelve is a big win. I mean, even TCU when you play at TCU, it's a different environment. I mean, teams struggle. Yep. I mean, there there's no doubt about it. So. Yeah, from the K State standpoint, I mean it. We already kind of alluded to this a little bit. The record sucks. Losing to Drake didn't bother me too much because I think they're going to be a tournament team. They're not bad. Um, losing to ten by ten at home against UNLV that one hurt. That one's stupid. Like they're not good. So right. I mean, from K State standpoint, we have a we have a freshman Bradford seven foot. Uh, I. I really like him. It's nice that we finally have some size because historically Weber doesn't recruit big guys. And so 6'7", six, 6'8", six, sometimes has been our biggest centers. And now we've got a couple guys that seven foot or over. And I keep trying to tell myself that this is – we knew this year was going to be bad. A lot of freshmen playing, which is a good thing um, for the future. But our best player is a freshman right now. The, what concerns me is – Whereas a lot of freshmen last year that are now sophomores, I thought would be better. The lack of development from those guys is is very concerning at this point for me. So, well, the only thing we've got to compare so far on the best teams in the uh, conference, which we probably pretty much agree that it's Kansas, Kansas and Baylor, Baylor, yeah, Texas Tech probably will be a team, and West Virginia. Yep, Baylor's the only unbeaten. Although they play somebody pretty good, well, in, I would have. The, they were supposed to play Gonzaga. I would like to have seen that. Yeah, game, I'd like to see that but too. Got canceled. But the the two that we postponed. can compare right now is the West Virginia and and Kansas playing. Both of them played number one, and both of them lost by eight to ten points. Um, so Gonzaga's definitely good. Yeah. How? I, how? Tell me how. I don't know. How do you have a little school up in Washington that four or five year guys, old blue blood guys? Yeah. So they just do a great job up there. It, uh, it just know, like shows you can be done anywhere. Like I said in the in the last podcast when we talked about the Big Twelve basketball, I mean, I think West Virginia can beat anybody if, when they have the right scenario. Whether that's the the referees letting them get away with some physicality a little yep. bit. Um, I mean, Huggins isn't gonna he's not gonna beat you ninety eight to ninety. He's gonna beat you fifty five to fifty. He wants to slow that game down, beat everybody up. If you get those referees to let that go, they're they're as tough to beat as anybody in the country. So we do have another undefeated team in the conference, um, Oklahoma State Cowboys. I knew you and we that. talked about Cade Cunningham a little yep. bit in the beginning. You know how good of, he might be the best freshman in the whole class. He's went three games in a row, or his first four games are four zero. He scored twenty one, twenty, fifteen, eighteen. Yep. Uh, pretty good start for a yeah, freshman. No, he's legit. There's no question. Oh, so I watched him play uh, two weekends ago. I don't remember who they were playing, but I just sat and watched him for about ten minutes, and that's all it took. And I went, "Yep, he's good." Yep, no, he's <laughs> he's definitely good. So we're gonna get into football here in a few seconds, but uh, I don't know if you have a pick of the week, Phil. I, I do. Okay, I didn't. So right now, so just to to bring everybody up to speed, both of us were one and one going into our last podcast. Um, I believe I took Iowa State to cover against K-State at that point by 11 or so. They won by 45. Bare, just barely covered. <laughs> you took Oklahoma against Oklahoma State, which I had also taken that on, on some of my other things I do, and easy cover there. Yeah, two easy covers. Although when I did show up at your house to watch part of that game, Oklahoma State scored twice pretty quick, and you guys threatened to kick me out because I was bad luck. I never said it. I think that was my wife. Actually, I think up. it was Tanner. Well, no, <laughs> your wife been. did say that. Could've your been. wife did say that. So I well, actually have looked at two this week. Have I, you looked at any? I at all? completely forgot about it. I don't have a pick of the week. There, you know, I'll put one. I'll put one on the Facebook page. I'll, I'll put one. I'll put. Tell you one, and and maybe you'll take it. The two that I looked at is Miami over North Carolina. Uh, Miami's playing at home over North Carolina, three and a half point favorites. Um, Miami's eight and one right now. Just got coming off of three straight road games. First time they've been home in over a month. Um, the kid that was at Houston, that King, the quarterback for yeah. Miami, 
really good. And yeah, I've seen him yeah. play in person before. I mean, I see, he's he's really good. And um, I think they beat North Carolina by a touchdown. Mm-hmm. At least it's three and a half point spread. But I did have a second one. I sat here and debated on. Only 11 and a half for Indiana over Purdue. Um, Indiana's only been favored three times this year and covered all three times. Yep. They've only not been favored three other times, and they won outright three of the four. And the only game they lost to, they still covered in because they were favored to lose to Ohio State by 21 and lost by seven. So if you'd have been a betting man and took Indiana every game all year this year, you'd have won every game. So let's just I, – I my second choice, if you're looking for a one – a and a 1B. 1A, I'd say Miami over North Carolina. 1B, I'd say I'd, I'd stay on the Indiana So, Phil has train. two picks of the week, but we're going to go Miami for the I, pick of the my, week. Miami so. was my first choice. So, And I'll put one on the Facebook page tonight or early tomorrow morning. I, I completely space that off. So, getting into football, let's, let's talk OU-Iowa State, Big 12 championship game. What's your thoughts on that game? I, I already almost kind of made a pick on it. Now let's watch them play West Virginia next week, which means absolutely nothing because neither one of us are going to the Final Four. Uh, I I would figure we could, luckily, if if we were to win out, we would get a, you know, a, a, a New, New Year's, Year's Day, six, yeah. yeah, one of the New Year's games, and so would Iowa State if they won out. One of the one of the two of us. I do know what the uh, six want. They want Oklahoma because it'll draw. Them oh out. yeah, but anyway. Um, I think Oklahoma beat Iowa State. I, I can't see it. They haven't lost to them in, in three times in 50 years, and they're going to be in twice in the same year. I think that's difficult. Uh, that's a hard road to hoe, even though they're good. Now, I, w- I would tell you, I don't know that I have seen a team play better right now outside of Alabama than Iowa, than Iowa State. State. Yeah, they're they playing pretty good really football well. right yep. now. They have been playing really well. But I'll tell you something else on that. On Oklahoma last weekend, which I at the end of the game I said, how disappointing we looked. Just looked terrible. I thought we looked as bad as we've looked all year long, until I started reading a little bit about Baylor. We beat Baylor worse than anybody's beat them this year. Uh, I didn't know that before the game. I just looked at their record, four and six or two and five, three and five, whatever yep. the record is, and I thought, well, they're terrible. We should beat them by six. I mean, you, this is Oklahoma mentality. Well, you should win by six touchdowns. Well, dumbass, they're better than the six-touchdown loss. I mean, they are yeah. tough. They played Iowa State closer than Oklahoma played them. They, they've been a good football team, and I bet you next year they'll be in the very top of the Big 12 Conference. Uh, they lose a lot. They lose a lot. I don't know. They're, they're, they're certainly better than uh, after – because, yeah, I don't follow Baylor, of course, and especially right. if they're not winning. But then when I started looking at their losses, they're like three-point losses and one-point yep. losses and two-point losses – Played everybody tougher than hell. Well, I will tell you this. That, so, K-State played Baylor two weeks ago. And that was probably one of the most frustrating football games as a K-State fan I've ever watched them play. We absolutely dominated them in the first half. Yeah. And one of my concerns about this coaching staff is making adjustments at halftime because we third quarter, we've been the worst team in the Big 12 in the third quarter. You can't score points. We can't score points, score and we score. Let them score. Yeah, yeah. they come out. They make yeah. changes. They make adjustments. We don't. Um, I mean, they came out, and even after all the crap that went down, the questionable calls, which I will tell you, the referees got most of them right, in my opinion. We still should have beat them. And horrible, horrible game management, clock management, cost us that game. Horrible play calling from our offensive coordinator. Um, I think Kleinman's going to have an interesting offseason because I think he's got to make some changes because this year was not good, not good at all. With you went from four and staff, one, you say? to four and four and six. Was that right? Oh, look what they they started so, the year looking great. Yeah, and no, four and one. Out. We were yeah. ranked in the top fifteen in the country. Yep, and then rattled off six, yes, five straight losses and it ugly losses. Oh yeah, no, some some were ugly. I mean, Texas has no business scoring seventy points against us. No, that's ridiculous. Points. Absolutely ridiculous. Our defense nope. the last three weeks. I mean, Iowa State broke us after that Iowa State game. We haven't been the same, and it's it's horrible. Iowa State is still. This is the scary thing about them. Still, still, I I want to think that you haven't beaten us twice in a twenty year span. It'd be hard to beat us twice in the same year. And I know you're talking about. Uh, just numbers. Numbers don't matter when they start playing, but um, but they still have those six five wide receivers, and yeah. we don't have six five cover guys. They still have that Hall that is probably the second best, if not the best, running back in the country. Yeah. Um, unbelievable. 
and they don't have kids who are opting out. <laughs> they've they've no. still got kids I, I full-blown I think ready their to biggest roll. thing for next year is going to be, is Matt Campbell still there? Yeah. And, th- and there's no there's no sign showing that he's leaving because we're who who would he's not going to go to Texas. Yeah, he, he actually has a better deal at Iowa State than he would have if he went over and took over Texas. You're you're going to find out real quick what his priorities are. I think because he's going to get offered a crap load of money to go somewhere else. I, this year. But I think he will stay. I don't know if the, he would stay in the Big Twelve. I'm I would think if he left, he might go take over a Big Ten team. Yeah, no, I, there's. Texas would be the only program that he, I, in my opinion, he would potentially even leave even Iowa State there. for in the Big yeah. 12. No, it's going to be somewhere else. But if I'm telling you this right now, if he decides to turn down the money and come back to Iowa State, I mean, he's taking a gamble. I am concerned about where Iowa State is going to go in a bad way for me, but in a good way for Iowa State. Yeah. Because who's i mean you've seen the guy in interviews who's not going to go play for that guy and right. then you know he's going to be there and he's he's there they're they're going to build a program you uh, know what i think sometimes that i'm sure tom herman's a good coach but i don't see him on the tv as a likable guy like you see this guy being oh a i agree 100 percent. now and i don't know if people look at spencer or, or lincoln riley and say he's a likable guy or he's not a likable guy he's had two number one draft picks that sells you right there if you're going after offensive guys. Yep. But, but and but he's more likable than Tom Herman by far. Tom oh, yeah. Herman and Tom Herman and Mike Gundy have that similar arrogance arrogance about them that I think that if you go into a home, it's gonna turn off some people. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna take two minutes and I'm gonna rant for a second on K State football, and then I'm done with it for the season because I don't think we're going I hope we're not going to a bowl game. What's your last game? We're done. Oh, you are yeah, we're done. Finished. Four, four and six, okay. we're done. So, so Oklahoma just uh, we we had the week off because of Corona, so right. we're having to finish up this weekend. Yeah, no, we're done. So yeah. we're four and six. There's talk about them going to a very low level bowl game. It, what's nice is we They've get eliminated a, the six win plateau. Just for bowl games depending on the number of bowl games right. and the number of right. teams is what it all boils down to. But I, I'm going to tell you this: two things I saw that really frustrated me, and. Um, uh, number one against Texas, I saw guys just quit on the field. Yeah, and that is very frustrating. The offense actually played pretty well. I think we scored like 30, 31, 33, something like that points. Defense couldn't stop them at all, which is a problem we had in the second half against Baylor. They we were giving them seven yards off the line of scrimmage. They're saying we'll take seven yards every time. Seven right. yard pass, seven yard pass. Texas did the same thing right down the field against us. Um, we, this isn't an excuse because everybody's got to deal with it. But I will tell you from what I've read, I think that K-State probably was decimated by COVID-19 more than any team in the Big 12 that I've heard of at this point. We had, I think so, too, because I never heard of – Oklahoma lost one or two for the whole year. So Kleiman came out today in an interview on the radio and said that they had between 90 and 100 players miss significant time this year from either injuries or COVID. Uh, most of those were COVID. I know of, I, I think I heard numbers of 50 to 60 of those were from a COVID standpoint. Huh. Against Texas, so we had this, we had, we are so decimated in secondary that we had this guy who was on the scout team at the beginning of the season that was starting at safety, and he's horrible. That guy should not be on a football field in Division One football. Right. We were so trying to find a way to not put him on the field that we took our one of our starting linebackers and started him at safety against Texas. He had three days of practice at safety before they put – they thought we had a better chance of winning by putting that linebacker at safety than who the safeties we actually had available So it's to basically play. a walk-on kid that just – Oh, it's horrible. Yeah. So then our, our linebacker – sorry for him, though, to get stuck in that oh, yeah. situation. Our linebacker who decides to play safety goes to try to – destroy somebody on the fourth play of the game for Texas hurts himself, takes himself out of the game. So we got to put the kid back in. So, um, those two things, I mean, I, they're frustrating. They're headed. What what is your off season? Well, you think we're headed there. And, and remember we didn't have summer camps or spring football at all. So that that's when you're a young team that, that hurts. There's no question about it. Um, What's interesting to me, and I want to get into this conversation because this is going to play into my answer to your question. I I think that it's a good – this was a throwaway year from a standpoint of this is Kleiman's second year. 
So this is your turnover year. You've gotten rid of who you think are the issue. You brought your own guys in, but they're all freshmen. So this is kind of that throwaway year, if you will, that nobody really expects much out of you. Next year, you got to start showing improvement. With that said, we had a lot of freshmen get a lot of playing time. Yep. And they're pretty good. I mean, Deuce Vaughn is the best player we had on the team, and he's a freshman. Um, here's my question to you, though, because K-State has had a crap load of players go to the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. And you haven't I, had very many opt-outs. Well, what are we going to talk about that in a minute? Yeah, Although, yeah, we'll it's yeah. all kind of it's so all your kind transfer of related, portal. But, you've lost a few kids. So yeah, in the past eight, I read something today. In the past eight days. 121 FBS players have entered the portal. 121. 26 on Monday alone. And there's a lot of teams that aren't done yet. That There's going to have players that are going to do it once the season's oh, yeah. over. So my where I'm going with this is I think that if they get the right fits in the right places from that transfer portal, because everybody's looking at these players, right? I think that there's some potential there. <laughs> They're like free agents. Yeah, it's like Juco, right? I mean, but I, where are all these players going to go to? So there's, I read an article a couple weeks there, like 600 and some in the transfer portal, and typically there's like 200 at this point. Right. And again, uh, this year's been not a over. very weird year. Maybe no some of these, maybe some of these kids are redshirted. Maybe some of these kids are, and just saying, hey, I've said at home, I don't want to go back to. If I live in California, or let's just say you're you're a kid from Kansas City, and you've you've gone off to somewhere up in the Big Ten or went down into the, some of the places like SMU or somewhere like that, and you just say, I don't want to be there anymore. Right. Very easy now to move. Correct. This year it's used to be very right. easy to move. And that's so why there's so many said, people. I'm, I'm moving on. No, I would agree. I think that's why. I think it's not losing the year of eligibility, not having to sit out, all that kind of stuff. Um, this year your, basically being a throwaway year because it's, a one it, it's like year. it doesn't exist. If how you're a sophomore, kids, you're going to be a sophomore next year. So I, I think about that. how many kids uh, over the years have thought, um, and now this is unfair to keep saying just Oklahoma, but at one time when Oklahoma was rolling back in, in the 70s and the 80s and they had guys sitting on the bench that couldn't go anywhere, that could have been starting yep. anywhere else in the country, yep. and we only recruited them knowing – Texas didn't get them. Right. We got them and Texas yep. didn't, yep. even though we know they're setting. It is unfair to kids. Yeah, it is. I like the fairness of, hey, let them go. Because yeah. I looked around, I've told you a couple times, there's, I think there was three starting quarterbacks two years ago that had started at OU. That was, one was at Arkansas State, one was at Texas A&M, and one was, yeah, I, I can't remember the other place. But there's three kids playing at other places that didn't start at Oklahoma. Of course, there's somebody named Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray that didn't start at right. Oklahoma and came in there. But So the the availability to move has been better for kids, I think. I think for the most part. I think the, But I think you're talking about a different level of athlete. Baker Mayfield or Kyler Murray, they're going to go somewhere where they're going to play, and you know they're still going to be good. Yeah, I'll use the example of a wide receiver just today and and ultimately he didn't enter the transfer portal he's doing a grad transfer because he was a senior but k-state has some guys who have entered the transfer portal and in my opinion it's because they don't feel like they're getting enough playing time Mm -hmm. i'm telling you right now phil that that head coach and those assistant coaches are paid to win the game you bet if they think you being on the field is going to help them win the game, yep. they're going to put you on the field. And let them go. When you and I were kids, if you didn't get a starting spot or you lost your starting spot to somebody else, yep. your ass got up in the morning and worked harder to get that spot back. Now yep. they just go somewhere else. Yep. They're like, ah, screw it, I'm going to go somewhere else. And that's what I'm afraid of these thousands of people that are going to be in the transfer portal. Most of them are that Some way. won't stay in Division No, one. they won't stay. In, there's no way. There's they'll not be, that many There'll be spots. guys dropping down to yep. Division two football. and When you got recruits who you've already promised scholarships yep. to bet. and those kind of things – they're hey, you're not up. good enough. Yeah. To, you're not good enough to play at South Dakota State, or you're not yeah. good enough to play at Colorado. Then go to East Central in, in Oklahoma, or go to right. go to go well, to and, and play but at to that point, there's a potential that the level of football in some of these small schools high. is going to get better. Yeah, because you well, got X Division One athletes that are going to be. Going I think there. Washburn is tough every year. Pitt State's yeah. tough every year. Yep. Yeah. Um, 
there's a there is something I wanted to bring up about uh, our Big Twelve ex Big Twelve players. Has Tyler Lockett been tearing it up pretty good? He's looked yep. great all year long. And even though we've got, you know, and and he's in a different situation than what Baker is. Baker gets television commercials and all this stuff, but he's been blasted by Colin Carroll Hurd and Stephen Smith since he came into the league. Don't like him. I mean, and, and and I know it's because he's one of those guys that he loves the to somebody to talk about him, and so that gives him somebody to talk about. But did you know Baker's nine and three now? Yeah, no, Cleveland nine and three, pretty darn they, they tough, pretty good right now. Um, yeah. Now it's not all on Baker because they've got Chubb and right. oh yeah no and, they're um, they're way flying under the radar right yes now. not in and, and with te- Texas I mean with Pittsburgh losing last night to the Washington football team the Washington the football, Washington football team, team <laughs> uh, you know it opens the door for the oh, for absolutely them to absolutely running no, their playoff the title team. I mean yeah playoff team. yeah no and, I, and who would have said that two years ago about the Cleveland Browns yeah. they were terrible I wouldn't have said that about them in week two of this year no so. no they've actually. Looked good, and this weekend might have been the best they've looked all year. Other than they beat Indianapolis, but we don't have, we don't talk pro football very often. But uh, yeah. the uh, college football season will be ending here in the next week or two, and maybe we can get into it just a yeah. little bit. Well, let's go back to the transfer portal stuff because and and opting out because you asked me now the opting out opting is what out. opting out's the one that kills me and yeah. drives me crazy. And it started with when it made me the most mad, and the kid's not even as good as he thought he was was West Virginia's quarterback two years ago. Remember the kid? Yep. Supposed to go into the NFL draft and be a top-round pick and all this kind of stuff. Well, come to find out, I don't even know if he's on an NFL team right now. Yeah. I'm not sure. You remember who I'm talking about? Yeah. The West Virginia big kid with the mustache Yeah, I know you're talking about. Quits with two games left because he's going to go train for the NFL. Right. How and and then I think he skipped the bowl game and everything. Well, and there's a lot of guys that are doing that. What what this year? But it, that is so unfair to your team. That's your scholarship. Just it. It's you've been selfish. Given. Now here's here's I looked at the list of kids and they do them in alphabetical order by college. K State only had opt outers about two or three. Yeah, a couple. Yeah. Oklahoma had two, and they opted out in the beginning of the year. Texas over the last few weeks has had like six right. in the last two or three weeks yeah. that are just saying piss on it, we're done. Right. And that's, in my opinion, it's selfish. And I don't. I, like I thought it was teams. interesting. I can't remember if it was last week's game or the week before when K State K State was on Fox and Gus Johnson was calling the game, and he went off on it and he said the same thing. He said it's selfish. Yep. And Joel Klatt said, "Hey, you got to lay off. You don't know the situations. You don't know what's going on. These kids haven't been able to go home for, you know, many many months. There's other things that are affecting these decisions." I'm telling you right now, if a kid opts out with two games left in the season, Philip, he's not concerned about COVID. Because no. if he was concerned about COVID, he would have opted out nine weeks ago. It's a hundred percent selfish. And, and let's use and I don't know this guy. I've never talked to Puka Williams at KU, but he opted out halfway through the season. He was supposed to be one of the top Big Twelve rushers, maybe first team yep. All Big Twelve. Yep. Got his ass handed to him. It his offensive line is terrible. Didn't go anywhere. Didn't do anything. And uh, so he just decided, in my opinion, to quit the team. He did. He said he had family issues, and they said he had family issues he had to go attend to. But then this week he says, because he kept saying, oh, I'm, I'm planning on coming back to KU. I just need to opt out. I need to take care of my family right now, all this. He just announced today he's he's going to – he declared himself eligible for the NFL draft, so he's not coming back to KU. So to me, that was the plan all along. He didn't want to get hurt. Yep. He wasn't doing well. The team he played on sucked, yep. and so he quit. Very selfish. And I think that's the same thing that happened with the two or three players in Texas. I think that they've just said, hey, we're not where we were. We thought we were going to play for the Big 12 championship. We thought we were going to be in the Final Four. Right. And here we yep. are at the end of the year. And here we – those kids go home and watch ESPN, and they go, our coach might not even be back. Piss on him. Because I guarantee you those kids will sit there and say, oh, Urban Meyer's going to be our coach next year. Either I want to play for Urban Meyer or I don't want to play for Urban Meyer. But that's got to rattle around in those yeah. kids' heads. It's got to rattle around in – and hey, keep talking it. Because you, know you know what we're going to be doing at Oklahoma when we're in Texas going after those big-time kids? They're going to be saying, you don't even know who your coach is going to be in the next <laughs> four years. Well, it's not Lincoln Urban. Riley. He's out. It's not Urban. <laughs> but, but, I mean, it's a great thing. That, yep. that news – but it's got to start rattling around in kids' heads and they'll just go – Hey, I'm so good. I think I'll just start preparing for the NFL draft. Will Greer was the guy's name yep, I was Will talking Greer, about. Yeah. It he did he did get drafted by 
uh, the Carolina Panthers, although he doesn't play. Uh, he's, he's, yeah, he's not. He on was my first now, selfish yeah. guy that I thought ridiculous. You're going to skip the bowl game because you're going to. Well, I got it. I got a couple other football things I want to talk about, but I'm going to ask you about one because I had no idea about this. So I'm watching the Oklahoma Oklahoma State game a few weeks ago, and I see something Monday or Tuesday about this. There's a little uh, dust up, if you want to call it that, with the. Uh, Oklahoma State equipment manager trying yeah. to go get a football. And apparently the there is a tradition at OU games of throwing the ball out of the stadium. It's a brand – it's not a tradition. Oh, okay. there, it's, it's something that just started last season, and whenever they would kick up – when they kick okay. the kick through, now everybody brings their own balls. Right. So when they kick it, it's an OSU ball, and then they bring it back. But the Oklahoma fans will kick, catch it up in the stands if, if it's on the north end zone. Right, south end zone has the right. suite, so right. they can't do it. But on the if it's on the north end zone and the and the other team kicks a field goal, who if a guy in the stands catches it, he'll turn and flip it up behind him, and then they'll just throw it out of the stadium. <laughs> um, and they've been doing this for a couple years. Well, evidently the Oklahoma State kid went up to get the ball back and <laughs> started move. wanting to fight everybody <laughs> yeah. to get the ball yeah. back, which he should have just. Yeah, I, I blame the idiots because right. I'm sure that the OU right. fans were idiots too. Yeah, but he was an idiot yeah. too. No, don't skin the don't send the skinny equipment manager after the ball no, when you're no. playing at OU. So and, and and tell him to give me the effing ball. Well, and that's what I'd never heard of that. And I've been to quite a few games in in Oklahoma, no, and I've never the seen that. Year so. they've ever okay, done it. okay, that makes sense. So. I don't know why, and, and I guarantee it started with one guy sitting in that section right, there. Right. And so okay, that was the section I sat in for the first uh, the first uh, very south uh, north end of the end zone. Um, my mom and uh, Paul Jack had seats down there, and we uh, we sat down there back in the late nineties. We had season tickets down there, and um, we actually were there for the Nebraska game that uh, turned us around the year we won the national championship in two thousand. And then the price went up so much that Jack and them said, "Out." We will watch them from home from now on. <laughs> so <laughs> well, I didn't have season that's tickets. Drastic. I didn't have season tickets for about four years, and then married Lisa and her parents have six on the south end. So then I moved to the south end. It's got a little different perspective on the thing. Well, last thing I want to talk about before we get off of football, um, and we just need to spend a couple minutes on this, but uh, Big Ten football. So have you been following this week with the Oklahoma, or, or Oklahoma, geez, uh, the Ohio, Ohio State? State. I don't think Ohio State should be uh, considered to be in the Final Four with only playing four games or whatever it may be. I just don't think that it's I, a big I, enough. I agree the sample size is small. They're good. But, but they're, I think they're one of the best four teams in the country from what I've seen so far. You know who I like better than them, and they don't talk about them much. But, it's I mean, you're going to get heavy SEC, but Texas A&M should be up well, there with them. So, um, so they're talking about – that's the push right now is Ohio State and Texas A&M both have an open weekend this weekend. Let's so get her done. We can find out an answer real quick on you that. Bet. So, Well, it's funny because so, – so for those of you that don't know what we're talking about, so the Big Ten came out and said at the beginning of the season – No football. Well, let, let, let's start with that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start all the way at the beginning of the season. So the Big Ten and the Pac-12 joined forces to try to – Dominate, not have a football dominate, season this They year. didn't realize that the SEC is going to tell them to kiss their right. ass. So they, they decided that, that they weren't going to have a football They were. Season. They tried to strong arm oh, the rest absolutely. of the NCAA. Didn't work. So then the, the, the Big 12, the SEC, the ACC said, we're playing football. The Big 10 said, oh, we're going to be the smart ones. We're not playing. You guys are going to see we were right all along. After about three weeks, they're like, crap, we were wrong. We got to get a football season in yep. because this is going to happen. So they decided to do a football season. Well, all the time, Nebraska's fighting them, right? They're, they want to play. Nebraska so, and Iowa. And so Nebraska says, well, we want to play. We'll play non-conference games. And the Big Ten says, no, you can't play non-conference games. Yep, lawsuit city. So then they decide to play a football <laughs> season, but it's only conference games. And yep. again, Nebraska is told you cannot play non-conference games. It's conference games only. Well, the other rule that Big Ten put in place was that you had to have at least six games of your eight yep. in order to make the Big Ten championship game. If you didn't play six, you weren't going to get in. Well, right now, with the cancellation of the Ohio State-Michigan game, Ohio State's only going to have five games this year. Right. So one of two things is going to happen. Either number one... We're going to bend the rules yeah, for Ohio we're State. Going to, we're going to 
screw the six game rule and you're in if if you win your division no matter how many games you play or number two you're going to go play a non-conference team and we're going to forget the no non-conference game either way they're breaking one of the rules but they're going to go play a non-conference game in a bowl game so no it's it's a stupid rule it's the most stupid rule there ever was they're going to have they're not going to play a conference game in the final four if they make the final four all they care about is the money. No, this is 100% about the money. 100% about the money. I think it's funny that the Big Ten's getting all this backlash, and I think it's they deserve every you know, single bad, bit of as it. As much as you bitched about K-State a minute ago, your late interceptions potentially are costing the Big 12 millions of dollars, potentially. It happened. K State <laughs> is good at that every year. I'm not kidding you, Philip. Whether it's uh, we're in the we're number one. Yeah. and get beat by a stupid Baylor team like we did with yep. Colin Klein's last year. Yep. Or for one game a year, we show beat up the best, beat OU. Yeah, beat the best team I mean, in the country. K-State's really, really yeah, good at that. Yeah, costing the so. Big 12 Conference millions and millions of dollars. So, well, anyway. Well, y'all have got the grandpa up there, so it's fine. Well, <laughs> <laughs> hopefully he doesn't get COVID. So, well, some a couple things I, I want to talk about. Grandpa's been doing. What's that? How's Grandpa been doing? He's, as far as I've he's, seen, he's been at games. But he's been happy at this. I mean, you think he has so. been pleased with the way things are going with Klein think, and everything so. else? Like and, I said, the last five games was tough, but it's so hard to judge this year when you've, when you've had the, the COVID issues that K-State's had. I mean, recruiting-wise, his last Snyder's last couple of years, we were 9 and 10 in the Big 12. Kleiman's got us 4, 5, 6, depending on what. So, I mean, the recruiting's gotten better. I think, I think there are – Sunnier days ahead for the K State yep. football team, but I think I'll tell you something that's that funny. It's going to be rough. We were we were down in Texas this weekend, and it, and you can go to any part of the country, and K State's a name for itself. But I'm telling you, people around the country know Bill Snyder. Oh yeah, for some yep. you know just whatever it is. Some way we we were talking to somebody at, this weekend at Billy Bob's or something, and we said we were living Kansas or something, and they go. You know Coach Schneider like he knows yeah. everybody in the state. Yeah. Oh hell yeah, we're on we're on first name yep. basis. Yep, I just talked to him <laughs> last night on the phone. So. so, but it's kind of funny that those guys get become legendary so oh, much yeah. that people know them. Yep. Well, to finish things up here, um, I've got my one last thing. I discovered something a few weeks ago, and then I took it to another level last night that I feel like I need to share with everybody. Let's go. A few weeks ago, I was walking through. Uh, Sam's here in Salina, and I found a bag of Ruffles potato chips. They're Carnitas Street Tacos flavored potato chips. Absolutely never, amazing. Never heard, of never heard of them. I've never seen them anywhere but Sam's. Not saying Dylan's or any place like that doesn't have them, but the only place I've seen them is Sam's. Last night, I was going through the refrigerator looking for some stuff to, to snack on while I was cooking dinner, and I dipped them into some French onion dip. Changed my life. If you have an opportunity, and that sounds like something you may like, you should try that because it is absolutely amazing. Take my word for it. Give it a try. You won't be disappointed. Well, if we're going to talk about food, let me throw something out there too. When we were down in Fort Worth, we said if we're going to be in Fort Worth in the stockyards section down yep. in downtown, Uh-oh. we're going to go to the steakhouse, a okay. steakhouse. So we went to Cattleman's. Yep. Not kin to the Cattleman's in Oklahoma right. City, different owners and everything. I had a prime rib, baked potato, and all that. Unbelievable. Across the table from me, um, Stephen, my brother, had a, had another kind of steak, and he said, you just got to take a bite of this. You just, I mean, it'll just melt in your mouth. It was unbelievable. Bread pudding, that's you, you just, I, they cook steaks different in Texas. I, I truly oh. believe that. Just, I'm, well, well I don't know if it's fresh because yeah, they just went fresh. out back and yeah, yeah. right off the cow. That cow was walking around <laughs> that morning. So, so well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a, a, a quick funny story about my my visit to the Fort Worth Stockyards. So K State was playing against Arkansas in the Cotton Bowl, and we were down the K State area was Sundance Square. The Arkansas area was the West End. So we were down the Sundance Square, but I was with a friend of mine. And in our hotel, we ran into somebody that we knew. And we were, we had rent, we drove down there, but we were trying to figure out how we were going to get 
from to and from the game because we, we knew we were going to be drinking, didn't want to drive. Yeah. That was a really long cab ride. This is before oh, you're going Uber. Where were, were they playing over in Jerry World? Yeah, yeah, okay. in Arlington. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So that's as I mean, it's they have a forty-minute drive uh, so, out of Fort Worth that goes well, over. and they didn't have Uber and right. and and Lyft and all that kind of stuff. So we we're trying to figure out. So we ran into this guy and we we're talking about it. He's like, "Well, hey, we rented a limo." And we have some extra room, so if you guys will pay 40 or 50 bucks, whatever it was, you guys can join us on the limo. We said, absolutely. <laughs> so this limo is this huge Dodge Ram truck yeah. with these like spikes on the wheels, this coolest limo I've ever been in. <laughs> so the day of the game, we, it, the game was later, so we went kind of around town, and we went down to Billy Bob's and went down to the stockyards and stuff like that. But what was funny was we pull in there, and there's all kinds of K-State and Arkansas fans. But this limo, this huge limo, pulls in and parks. And literally everybody gathers around this limo with their phones <laughs> and cameras up in the air. Like thinking Looking somebody famous is oh going to come out. God. And we start climbing out of there. And they're like, who the hell's what? that? Uh, I heard somebody's like, that must be the veneers. Yeah. Like, uh, no. So we took that Justin same limo Bieber. to the game. And when you go to Jerry's World, there's like a limo area where the yeah. limos come in and drop people off. So our guy takes us in there. Same thing. Pulls up. All these people are like holding their cameras. Oh, who's this? Who's this? I've never felt more disappointing to somebody than I was to that crowd when we got out of that limo. (laughs) And there's, oh, and turned around and walked off. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that'd be fun. Well, we're going to. Were you with uh, all K-State fans in this? Yeah, all of us were. Yeah, all of us were from here. So, you know, it's a. The Big 12 Championship game is down there in Jerry's world. Love to go back down there because. I mean, they're they're open for business, yeah. more or less. Um, but uh, I've never been to a Big 12 championship game, and I've never been to a football game in Jerry's World. I went to a rodeo, and I went to a uh, convention we had there, but never to a football game. But I've been to be two interesting Big 12 to see. conference championship games. I was at I've the, never went to a conference game. The, the unfortunate 98 game against A&M in St. The, Louis, and then the 03 against OU in Kansas, in Kansas City. City. So those are the two. But have been you to. been in Jerry's World before? Yes, I've been there. Uh, one Cowboys game. Um, I think I've been in the, I, the Cotton Bowl. I was thinking there was one other time maybe I'd been Well, when we were bit. in Fort Worth, they said they had a, a train that runs back and forth between Dallas now, and uh, sort of like the subway. Right. Uh, above ground subway, I guess. But it uh, stops at Jerry's World, stops in Arlington, just a long way, drops off at DFW now. So you can go DFW, and I found it there. On the, you can go from the airport out, out down to downtown da- uh, Fort Worth, which I'd never been to Fort Worth before. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah Fort Worth fun. Nice, yeah. So. And not as crowded no, as yeah, it's, Dallas. It's, yeah, I, I really nice liked that Sundance Square area yeah. when we were down there, so. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of, of the Kevin Felt Project. We're going to try to get one more in before Christmas. I think Rustin's going to join us. You've heard us talk about it before. You've heard him sponsor our podcast and, and us talk about him. But, uh, yeah, I think he, we're going to try to get him on tonight, but it wasn't going to work out. So I think we're going to try to schedule a time, and we're going to talk about some Christmas stuff. I'll give you a little teaser. I'm going to talk about chewy chocolate ginger cookies, something else uh, that that's will change something you your, make for Christmas. It, it's something I make this time of year, and they're delicious. I see, and I hope that I'm talking about the uh, Big 12 champion, Oklahoma Sooners. There's a good chance of that. So, <laughs> Well, they'll at least be runner-ups. So, all right, well, we'll be back in a couple weeks. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Kevin and Philip Project Podcast. If you would like more information about our podcast, guests, and to join in on the discussion, please visit our Facebook page www.facebook.com slash Kevin Phillip Project. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to our podcast and tell your friends about us.